Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Ezekiel chapter number one. And uh, I want you to know where we are. Uh, We've gone through the law and the Pentateuch, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We've covered the history of Israel, Joshua through Judges, and uh, looked at all the different history that goes along with that. The third section of the Old Testament, the wisdom portion of the Old Testament, poetry, Job through the Song of Solomon, and right now we're at the major prophets, the major prophets. Who can tell me what are all the major prophets? There you go. And so here we are in these, these major prophets, and Every part of the Bible has something for us. Every part uh, is meaningful to us. It was John Owen that said it like this, In the writing and the composing of Holy Scripture, the Spirit of God had respect unto the various states and conditions of the church. It was written to us at all times. I mean, it's it's for everyone. And he goes on to say it like, uh, like this, It was not given for the use of one age or season only, but for all generations, for a guide in faith and obedience from the beginning of the world to the end of it. The principal end of Scripture is to beget, to develop in the minds of men fear, faith, obedience, reverence of God, and to make them holy and righteous. Unto this and end, every truth is disposed in the Scriptures as it ought to be. In the depths and shallows of this river of God, I like this, in the depths and shallows of the river of God, the lamb may wade and the elephant may swim. There's, there's enough for everyone. No matter where you are in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, there is something in the word of God for you to jump into and enjoy and to be nourished by. And so we're here in Ezekiel this, um, this evening, and Ezekiel really is a wonderful a wonderful book that gives us hope in what God is doing in a wayward people. Ezekiel, the focus of it is this, judgment and restoration. Judgment and restoration. And as you think about that, Ezekiel was sent to a people that was in captivity. And they were under the judgment of God. They were facing, they were receiving the chastisement, if you will. They were receiving the spanking um, for their disobedience, their rebellion uh, uh, against God. And is, uh, Isaiah was tasked with uh, preaching to them and being the prophet to them. Now think about Ezekiel for a little bit. He came from a priestly family. So he, was, he had grown up around the things of God. He'd grown up around a, a, a father who was a priest and was focused on God and serving God. His name means this, God strengthens. God strengthens. Now, how many of you could use a little bit of strength from the Lord Jesus Christ right now? Every one of us can. I, uh, I was thinking that uh, this morning in Psalm 31 and verse number uh, 2 and 3, uh, the Bible talks about the Lord being our, our, our rock and our fortress, that strong rock. 
Uh, he's the one that doesn't budge. I need that type of strength. I need that, 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 uh, that strong foundation from him. And so here it is. Ezekiel's name means God strengthens. What's, what a wonderful reminder as he goes through life. God strengthens. I need strength today. God strengthens. I can't get through this. God strengthens. And so he's writing Ezekiel uh, while he's living in Babylon during the exile. And so he is there with the, on the captives. And uh, he had just celebrated in chapter 1 and verse number 1. He had, he had come to his 30th birthday is when he began to, uh, to minister for the Lord. He began prophesying about five years into the captivity from his village in Babylon, in south of Babylon. And he was there with about 10,000 different captives uh, that were there. And so uh, he, was, he was focused on this group that was there in Babylon, displaced from their, their homeland, and that was his ministry. Those were the people to whom he was ministering. You think about that. Uh, when someone is going through the, the chastening of God, you think about the, the ministry that you have towards them, what you talk to them about. Uh, he, he, he underscores the judgment of God and that there's hope in the restoration of God, and that's exactly what he does. So he prophesies for 22 years, and his message to these people uh, in captivity was to those that, in a lot of ways, were just continuing in their rebellion. They were not responding to it, which is very sad. And you think about Jeremiah, you think about Isaiah, and both of those men had ministries to, uh, to people that were not listening. And uh, that's, that's a disheartening thing, especially when we think about ministering. And, you know, and there's, there's sometimes where it's the same today, where we can minister for the Lord. We can go, well, we want to see results. We want to see people uh, change their lives. Sometimes people go on in their same rebellion towards God, even though we uh, speak truth to them. And so you can look back to some of these, these men who for years, for 22 years, he's preaching to a people that, that was rebellious, and uh, yet God needed him there, and he was to be preaching in order to obey God. And by the way, the only person that we need to please is God. If there's no results, as long as we have pleased him, that's what we need. That's what we need to do in order to bring glory to God. And so Ezekiel was a street preacher, uh, crying in the streets of, of Babylon, out against the, the, the Jews that were still defying God. Their, their hearts were set against him, and yet he's still being faithful and going forward. He lost his wife, according to chapter 24 and verse number 16 through 18. He lost his wife in 587 BC, some, on some things. So this man not only knew the pain of, of preaching and declaring and serving God without result, but he also knew the pain of losing his companion who was alongside of him. So what a difficult, what a difficult situation. And, and all the more, huh, what a blessing it is to have a name that God strengthens. God can bring you through this. God's strength is made perfect in our weakness, isn't it? So there's two sections to the book of Ezekiel, the, or I should say three. I divided it down a little bit more because the first, uh, the first couple, uh, a couple chapters, several chapters, really deal with Ezekiel's call. If you'll notice in Ezekiel chapter one and verse number, uh, uh, verse number one or verse number three, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel. I like that expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river of Chabar. And the hand of the Lord was there upon him. 
And so here in this first section is really God is going to begin calling them and say, hey, I have a mission for you. Uh, chapter 2 and verse number 1, he says, Son of man, God said unto him, Son of man, stand up on your feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into uh, me when he spake unto me and set me up on my feet that I heard him that spoke unto me. And he said, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me, they and their fathers have transgressed against me even unto this very day. Even right now, as I speak, they're still rebelling, and I'm sending you to them. And so this was his commission, just like we have a commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel, not be the I missioning them missions, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So Ezekiel had a, 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 an audience that he was to go to. He was to preach to this rebellious uh, group of, uh, of Israel, of the Jews there in Babylon. And so chapters 4 through 32 really just deal with uh, him announcing the judgment of God upon the sin that they had committed. So all the way through these chapters, they, a major portion here, he is discussing this judgment. The judgment, first of all, in chapters 4 through 24, uh, to Judah and to Jerusalem. To both of these areas. And God announced this on, on through Ezekiel. Now this brings my mind back to this. God told us later on in the New Testament that judgment is to begin at the house of the Lord. And there was much sin around Israel. There were many nations that sinned and were against God. But God began with his people. God began with his servant lifting up his voice and saying, you all have sinned and this is the judgment that God is bringing upon you, chapters 4 through 24. But then he switches in chapters 25 through 32 and Ezekiel begins to announce the judgments that God would bring upon the foreign nations, upon Amnon, Ammon and Moab and Edom and Philistia and Tyre and Sidon and Egypt. I'm reminded what Jesus said about this judgment that came upon Tyre and Sidon. He said, listen, uh, uh, you all, and talking to his own people, if, if Tyre and Sidon had had the understanding that you had, uh, then they would have repented. Luke chapter number 10 and verse 13. Woe unto you, Kerozin, woe unto you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works... Uh, uh, had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which had been done in you, they had had a great while ago repented, uh, sitting in sackcloth and ashes, but it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And yet God brings along upon these four nations and announces it through Ezekiel that, yes, they're going to be judged too. And God brings that up in the book of Habakkuk. No sin goes without notice before a holy God. No sin. And so God uses his, his servant, Ezekiel, to announce that. Chapters 33 through 48, the third major uh, uh, section of Ezekiel, really deal with the hope of the future. So what is God going to do in the future? And I love that because that's how God works. God announces the judgment. He brings judgment. He brings chasing into our lives. But it's always for restoration. And there's hope in the future. And so in chapters 33 uh, through 39, uh, he deals with the, the restoration of Israel. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. And he goes on and he reaccounts uh, re in chapter 36 there all the different things that they had done. And then he gets down to verse number 21 and he says, But I had pity for my holy name, 
which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen, whither they went. Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, here's the message of, of, of restoration. Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither ye went. And I will sanctify my great name, which ye was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean from your filthiness and from all your idols. Well, I clean you and listen to this. Ezekiel 36, 26. And a new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the, uh, the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh, a soft heart, a tender heart towards me. 27, and I will put, uh, put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Ye shall dwell in the land I give unto your fathers. And ye shall be my people and I will be your God. Restoration. That's what he wanted. And that's what he's trying to do. And notice he was doing this for the sake of his name. By the way, um, by the way your salvation that you, you walk in today, that you enjoy today, was for the sake of his name. It was for the glory of God. Not because you and I were so special, right? <laughs> right? Are you all with me? Not because you were special or I. And by the way, the folks that we need to be inviting and the folks that we need to be witnessing to this week, they, they need to be brought to the Christ for the sake of his name. For the sake of his glory. And it's not about us, and it's not about them. It is about Jesus Christ, and that he would be glorified. And so all this is happening. He's going to bring them back to himself, and he's going to give them this new heart and put his spirit within them. Isn't that wonderful? And we enjoy that today. We enjoy that today. And so the final part of this, this message of hope is found in chapter 40 through 48, the prophecies concerning Israel and the millennial kingdom. And so there's, there's much that, that, that God prophesies about the time after the tribulation and his reign and his, his, his perfect reign uh, uh, and as Jesus reigns on the throne of David over Israel and um, finally gives them a perfect king. And that's in those final concluding chapters there in Ezekiel. But all focus on Full restoration. God's not done with Israel yet. God's not done with Israel yet. I wear this flag pin of America and the Israeli flag. I think we should pray for Israel, and we should pray for that. But I am encouraged that God, the story is still unwritten on Israel. God is still working in Israel, and God is still, still loves them. They're the apple of his eye. They're his chosen people, and there's a great day coming for Israel, especially as we focus towards that millennial, a millennial kingdom. So just a simple takeaway. In the midst of judgment, God's heart is always restoration. Always restoration. You know that, that ought to form our thinking towards people. Even when people have to have to go through difficult times and have to go through the Lord's judgment, even when people walk away from the Lord and, 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 and face the, the consequences of their own sin, our heart ought to be like God's, always restoration. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, remember? Remember? Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. 
And that ought to always be our heart. That's the heart of God. That's what he demonstrates right here in Ezekiel. And so as we go on, think about Daniel. Daniel uh, is another one of the major prophets that, that God specifically spent much time on. We have 12 chapters, much less than Ezekiel. Daniel, the name of Daniel means God is my judge. God is my judge. A wonderful, wonderful name. And something to remember. It's the story of a young man's journey into captivity and then his interaction with foreign leaders, foreign governmental, political uh, leaders. And he ministered in the administration of a a very pagan empire, an empire that was against God and against the things of God. Now, Daniel was a statesman. He served as he grew up. Remember, he came into captivity as as a teenage boy. And so it wasn't, it wasn't like Ezekiel where he was, had some age on him. He was a teenage boy, and, and, he, and he was used by God as he grew up and, and won the heart of the king. He was used as a statesman. And he influenced three, not one, but three pagan kings. Now think about that. It's pretty amazing. Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius. was taken into captivity as a, just as this young man by Nebuchadnezzar in 605 B.C. He uh, spends the rest of his very long life, God gave him a long life, there as a governmental official and as a prophet of the one true God. Now think about that. Because sometimes, and even as we spent time over at at the American Restoration Tour on Sunday night, I I still hear people from time to time say, you know, we have to divide this whole thing. You know, God gives us so many stories in Scripture where it's just wedded right together beautifully. And Daniel didn't have to stop being a prophet of God in order to impact a Nebuchadnezzar or Belshazzar or a Darius. It was one and the same. It was one and the same. And there isn't the political side and the, and the church side of our lives. It's all sacred. It's all sacred. And wherever God places us, maybe he puts you there. Well, then influence Wherever he puts us, grow and influence, influence and um, be a beacon for God. But you know that did not that did not just happen. Daniel in Daniel one eight, you know it well, had the purpose in his heart not to defile himself with the, uh, with the king's meat. And we find immediately at the outset of Daniel's life, there is a teenager in Babylon. Uh, he had he had set his stand. He had he said these are this is where I stand. I can do no other. And you realize that that went with him all the way through his life, all the way through his influence. And, and really, that's what made him so influential, is that he didn't budge in his, in his convictions with God. And so he did stand, even as a young man, but that followed him all through life. I remember Proverbs 22 and verse number 29, seest thou a, a man diligent in his business? What do you think? You think that, that Daniel was diligent in his business? You know what? I can't, I can't violate my conscience. I, he, he, he was very diligent. He was learned, he studied well, he focused on what the king gave him to do, but he, he stayed true to what he was told to do, what he was raised to do, and what honored his God. Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings, is what Proverbs says. He shall stand before kings. So here's a man, Daniel, who did not seek to influence the king and seek to serve him at the sake of of compromise or at the expense of compromise. No, 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 Daniel didn't compromise at all. He stood up, even when it it could have meant his life. He stood up and he did the right thing. I've been thinking about this this week. Compromise cannot be compartmentalized. What I mean by that 
is, you know what, if you compromise in one little area of your life, it's gonna, it's gonna infiltrate every other area of your life. Daniel didn't do it. He didn't compromise in what he ate, and you know what? He was strong all the way in every other area of his life. You know, it's just a small thing. It's just a matter of food, which food you eat. No, he stayed true right there to his God, and it kept him true all the way through his life in every area. He didn't compromise. He didn't budge. Couldn't be bought off by riches when, in Daniel chapter 6 when Belshazzar says, you know what? Hey, if you tell me the dream, I'm going to give you all these riches. No, it wasn't the riches that he needed. He couldn't be bought off. Uh, Daniel was a man of principle, and he stayed true to the Lord, and God used him as a statesman unto uh, these kings. Now think about the, um, the focus of Daniel really is this, that God does indeed reign in the fear, affairs of men. Daniel chapter 4 and verse number 17. And all the way through this chapter, there's something that's said three times. Daniel 4 and verse 17, after he gave the, um, the, uh, the interpretation of the dream to Nebuchadnezzar, he says, this matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand of the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomever he will and setteth it up over it the beast of men, the best, uh, the best of men. And so he, he says, listen, Nebuchadnezzar, and here's the, here's the dream. Remember how this is gonna go? Uh, he raises up in pride. And God says, no, uh, you haven't built all this. This doesn't all belong to you. And uh, he brings this dream along that he is going to become like a wild beast. And he's going to go out and spend time in the, uh, in the fields. And he's going to eat grass. He's going to have uh, hair like a, uh, like a beast and nails like a beast. It's going to be a really fun time. There's actually, I should have looked this up. There's an actual word for this, a medical condition for this. But it happened to him. And what, it, what was it to prove? That the Most High ruleth in the the affairs of men. Are there some kings and presidents that you might uh, like to see uh, had this condition for a little bit just to, to help them to realize that God's still in control? Uh, yeah, uh, you understand that. And it happened to Nebuchadnezzar. And the focus of, of Daniel is that God reigns. God reigns. What happens, to, what happens to Belshazzar? Did he find out that God reigns? Yeah, when God on the side of the banquet hall starts writing on the wall with his finger, Start saying, hey, you're, 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 you've been weighed in the balance and you're found wanting. And this night, the Medes and the Persians are coming in. They're going to take over. And they're they're going to require your life. Yeah, Daniel, Daniel's, the whole book of Daniel just over and over underscores the fact that God reigns. And it's a message that we need to remember today. God reigns in the fears of men. God reigns. And you know, we don't know all that God's doing right now. We don't know. And, you know, sometimes it looks like well, the wicked are getting away with it. We don't know that. We don't know all that God's doing. And uh, we need to remember that he is in charge. This story is a, a story of how God pursues leaders and leaders of kingdoms by his grace and is able to humble them and show them that he is in charge. And so that happened with Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, think about when he threw those four men, the, the three men, uh, the friends into the fire, Think about uh, how he was humbled when he f uh, finds out they, they didn't die, right? They didn't burn, and there's a fourth man in the fire. You think about that. And God's able to say, you know what? I'm in charge of this thing. And this is mine. I'm in charge of this thing. And Belshazzar, when, when that was written on the side, uh, and, and, and God, God was the one who said, you know, I'm in charge. I'm in charge of your life. You, you think you're, you're drinking it up, um, Belshazzar? 
But no, God's in charge of his life. Under Darius with Daniel in the lion's den. What an amazing, you know he comes to the side of the, side of the lion's den, however that, that pit was, and he says, uh, has your God saved you? You know, realizing that, that, that God is in charge and all these kings had to come face to face with the fact that there was one more mighty than them. The sections of Daniel, if you look at it, it really breaks down perfectly into two sections. And it's broke down right in half. The first six chapters deal with Daniel's life. A while back, we preached a series through the life of Daniel, and we dealt with the first six chapters. And that's the focus of those chapters. It's very, very much narratives and stories and so on. It's a, a wonderful section of the book of Daniel. The second six chapters, 7 through 12, are Daniel's vision. The vision of four beasts in chapter number 7. The vision of the ram, goat, and little horn in chapter number 8. The prophecy of 70 weeks in chapter number 9. And I want to just touch on this for a moment. If you'll give me that, that slide. Daniel's 70, uh, 70 weeks are amazing, an amazing prophecy. They really are. And, uh, and it takes a little, a little bit of study. But um, if, if you want to take a picture of this, uh, if you can't do that, then uh, send me, I'll send you, the, uh, send you this. But actually, back in college, I wrote this down in the back of the Ezekiel. That's why I have this, um, this big Bible here tonight with me. I, I wrote this down, Daniel's 70 weeks, a timeline in the back of my, uh, my Bible for Daniel's 70, uh, 70 weeks. So you, you think about, what is the 70 weeks? Uh, uh, each week is seven years, Right? So it's, it's 70 weeks of years. So, each, uh, so the, the prophecy is for 400, a total of 490 years. I see, some, I see some concerned faces. All right, so take a picture and, and yeah, shh, right over. So it, take a picture of it, and, and then you can go back and study, and we can talk more at a different time. This is supposed to be an overview, but I, I, I wanted to get this in here for just a little bit tonight. So the, the first 49 years there, in Daniel chapter 9, it's, it's 70 weeks, so 7 times 7 is 49, right? So th- those first 49 years is a prophecy right there in, the first, uh, in Daniel 9 on 25, really deals with the rebuilding of Jerusalem, okay? And so you have Ezra's return, you have uh, supposedly Nehemiah's death. Uh, there in 409 BC, and then we go into what would be that that intertestamental period, that 400 years, about 400 years of what happens in that time. What happens between the testaments? Does anyone remember after Malachi? Silence. There's no revelation until until what? Matthew, and it begins with with the declaration. Uh, who are the first to get a declaration? What's, what's that, brother? Zacharias. Zacharias. And so they, they get this declaration that, that the Messiah is coming. So do you know, notice here in Daniel chapter 9 and verse number um, 25, at the end it, it talks about how the Israel would be, uh, that Jerusalem would be rebuilt and that this would go until the coming of the, the, the Messiah. But there would, be this, there would be this period, verse 26 it says, after and after three score and two weeks. Now, how many is a score in the Bible? 20. So how many is three score? 60 and two weeks. So 62 times seven is 434 years. So you have this, this, time, this time span. And it says, after three score and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off. What does that sound like? Crucifixion. So you have the crucifixion, 
And a little later on, you have the, it, it does talk about the temple being destroyed a little bit later on. But what, what happens after Jesus goes back? What, what age are we in right now? Okay, so Daniel does not, does not say, you can't look in here and say the church age, but he then goes on to mention the tribulation, the events of the tribu, uh, tribulation and, and so on. So there's still, after seven weeks and after 62 weeks, we still need one more week. You know why we always say that God is not done with Israel? Because there's still, there's still some prophecy left. So there's that final week, that one week. And how many years is that? Seven years. So that's the seven-year tribulation, which we talked about last week, is divided down into two parts. And that is the, uh, you have the, the first part, the tribulation, and then the great tribulation. But it starts off with what? The signing of the covenant. And it says there, and he, the Antichrist, verse 27, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, in the midst, what is that? Middle, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the over, uh, overspreading of the abominations, he shall make it desolate even unto, until the consummation and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. And so he's, gonna, he's going to set himself up as the one to be worshipped in the middle of the tribulation, and, and then this covenant's going to be broken, and, and, uh, and so on. So you have the abomination, what is called the abomination of desolation, all right? And so that's going to happen. So we're still waiting for that final week to happen. And so if you think about it, if you notice there, we have a parenthesis of time, right? The church age, where God is working through the church in the world to draw the Gentiles to himself to provoke jealousy to his people. And it's interesting how all this is, is tucked away in the prophets. And uh, yes, they didn't see, they didn't have a full perspective like we have looking back on it. But this is the, the prophecy of Daniel's 70th week, on uh, 70 weeks. A lot of time could be spent on there. There's more that could be put on there uh, that I did not put on there for uh, simplicity's sake. But I wanted you to no, uh, note that. So we have Daniel's se- uh, vision of 70 weeks, and then the final visions uh, of Daniel and the events of the tribulation in chapter 10 through, uh, through 12 is, is what is dealt with. So much of Daniel, did you catch this? Much of Daniel deals with end in, uh, in times. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot uh, 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 towards the end times and what God, uh, what God is doing. So th- Daniel's 70th weeks are very, very key to what happens in Revelation. Very key. And so those, those can be studied, uh, studied together. And so I wanted you to have all that. But here's, here's what we should take away from this. God does specifically, God does specifically place his people in positions of influence. And I don't know where he's placed you, what, what influence he's specifically given you. But for Daniel, he gave him influence in human government, in a government in Babylon, and in, three, in the lives of three different three different kings, and, and we can see that in the life of Daniel, and he was mightily used in that way, as well as we still benefit from these prophecies that God used him to write, write down. So much of, much of the Old Testament, as we come to a close here, much of the Old Testament really deals with the, the, God's judgment and this exile and, and all that God was doing in, in the people of Israel. As you think about uh, Israel's exile, exile, the end of uh, Second Kings and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentation, Ezekiel, Daniel, and others. And so all this is, is focusing in around this is pretty amazing, that what, God, what God is showing. 
But here's the thing. God was trying to bring them to himself. Ultimately, at the tribulation, there's going to be, a, there's going to be more judgment. But they're going to look on him whom he has pierced, and all Israel shall be saved. There's, a, there's, there's this hope. There's this gospel focus here. It's not, it's not some other way of coming to Christ. No, God is bringing them to himself. And that's an amazing thing. So as I think about what we read a little bit ago in Ezekiel 36, 26, how that God is going to give them a new heart. He's going to, he's going to take out that stony heart. He's going to give them a new heart of flesh. That's God's desire. And that's God's desire for every person that we run into, to bring them to himself. Yes, there's judgment, but judgment is to bring them to restoration. And we, all, and we don't want them to, uh, to end, uh, come to the end of their lives without coming to that point of restoration and finding faith in Jesus Christ. So that is Dan, uh, Ezekiel and Daniel, a, a little bit of an overview. There's much more that could be said, but I hope that whets your appetite to jump in a little bit further. All right, let's pray and ask God's blessing on us. Lord, thank you for the fact that you are a gracious God who does, does always offer hope even in the midst of judgment, the messages you gave to Ezekiel were messages of there's a hopeful day coming. And I pray that we would, we would take on that same characteristic that you demonstrate, that we, we'd always have that, that message of hope. And ultimately, Lord, that's, that's through your son, Jesus Christ, and we give you praise for that. Help us to use the positions of influence you give us to their fullest, to be diligent like a Daniel was, to not compromise in any way, and I pray that you would give us strength in these days, especially not to compromise. So help us, Lord. I pray that you be with the, the buses as they travel home in each one of us, that we'd be safe, and most of all, Lord, that we please you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode, and please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for checking out this episode. I look forward to having you join us again right here on the Grace Baptist Church podcast.